You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Risk, drive, stories for everyone, and other bits and bobs. We're going across the pond with my two super talented British friends. Hey everyone, I'm your host Sean Chandler, and you're listening to Your Program Is Your Ticket, a discussion of smaller theater works and the people and organizations that make it happen. Founded by Max Emerson and Rob Ward, both born in Manchester, Emerson and Ward Productions tour their work both nationally and internationally. They champion the underdog and the outside with shows like Gypsy Queen by Rob Ward and Riot Act and Sex Crime, both by writer Alexis Gregory. Now keep in mind that our interviews are recorded at different times to optimize schedules, just in case the audio sounds different here and there. I am so excited to have Rob and Max as my guests, so let's bring them on. Hi, Rob and Max, and welcome to Your Program is Your Ticket. Hello. Hello. <laughs> How are things in Manchester? Uh, rainy today, obviously. Uh, Ray, yeah, but otherwise great. Well, that's, is it like a, a summer humid rain, or is it uh, like a freezing cold rain? It, it's like it's a uh, April showers rain. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's freezing cold. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's English summer rain. To be yeah, it, it's standard yeah. English summer raining. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well. You can see from the view behind me that we're probably going to get some rain today too, but ours is like, it just has, it's so humid. It has no choice but to fall out of the clouds. So it's, it's not that fun, you know, sit around drinking hot chocolate rain. It's just, yeah. 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 Um, a little bit of background. Uh, um, Rob and I met when we, both of our shows were at the Dub- international Dublin gay theater festival in 2014. And um, I think both of our shows pretty much ran on the same track. Um, the the shows are all uh, divvied out into I don't know four or five different locations. So uh, oftentimes the shows you know there's a show performing you know in each one of these at the same time. So I unfortunately never got to see Gypsy Queen because I was doing my show and but so but we're going to talk about that. Uh, a little bit um, when we when we discuss your projects of, of your production company. Um, so let's get into that. Why don't I have you tell our listeners a little bit about yourselves individually, and then um, uh, and then tell us what inspired you to co-found Emerson and Ward Productions together. And we'll start with Rob. Great stuff. Uh, yeah. So I'm. Um I born in in Liverpool, and uh, I, I went to, to Manchester for for, for college, um, and um, it, it was sort of through being in Manchester, I, I sort of started off as a the, the archetypal jobbing actor, uh, you know, lots of <laughs> lots of various bits and bobs, um, working on the fringe scene in Manchester, and. Uh, Traveling off to Italy randomly to, to, to dress up in a fat suit as, as Friar Tuck in a touring version of Robin Hood. That was good fun. Um, so all these various bits and bobs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, um, and I'd, I'd always, when I was younger, I'd always written. And for some reason, when I, when I got to university, and I don't know whether it's because I, I kind of came from a slightly smaller town outside of Liverpool and I was sort of met by these huge personalities when I first arrived at, at, at university, I always found the acting um, much more comfortable to do. 
I always felt like the writing was a lot more exposing, you know? It, it, yeah. it's really, you can kind of hide behind a character, um, but when you write something, you get it on a stage, it, it's you, it's there for all to see, and, and undoubtedly people will read into it and read into you, and I just wasn't quite ready for that at university. Um, but as, I'm, as I was sort of jobbing around, doing various bits and bobs, I, I, I felt like I wanted a, a bit more, and then... Um, I started this theatre company and I had this idea for, for, for a story about um, exploring homophobia in, 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 I guess, soccer, you'd, you'd call it over there, um, our, our football. Um, and it, it was something that I'd always been, been very passionate about, um, being a, a kind of gay man and a football fan. And, and it almost seemed like these two worlds never, never shall meet. And I... I, I, I was mentored by a, a director friend of mine who was a writer himself, and he just sort of said to me, just go for it. What have you got to lose? Write it. Let's put it out there. I'll direct it. I'll, I'll, he co-wrote it with me, Martin Jameson. And, and it, I guess for me, that's where it, it sort of took off a little bit. And, and this play, Away From Home, uh, one-person show, was the story of um, a, a male escort hired by a Premier League uh, footballer, soccer player, um, and living in this sort of shrouded secrecy and, and the ramifications of living that life. And, it, and it, I think it maybe just sort of captured imaginations. It, it, it sort of took off. And, and for me, that was when, obviously, we met Sean uh, in, in Ireland all those years ago. And the play had a lot of success in the UK, toured uh, nationally, internationally. Uh, we went down to New Zealand to perform it. Um, and I guess from there, it just gave me the confidence to go, do you know what? You can write. You know, you, you, know, you shouldn't have doubted yourself all those years ago at university. You, you can write. And, and, and then Gypsy Queen followed, exploring the same theme, this time looking at boxing uh, and, and, and um, LGBTQ sort of representation in, in that world of sport. And it, it just, you know, touring around, writing, touring work, creating, you know, uh, off uh, off my own back, um, and it was about three years ago. Um, I, you know, you, you, as you do, you, you, you're trying to build contacts all the time. You're trying to extend your network, and and Max um, worked at the, the Royal Exchange Theatre in in Manchester, which is um, is, is is in many ways it's the holy grail for uh, for a lot of uh, <laughs> performers uh, in in the northwest. It, it is our big theatre. And um, I'd actually got an email back from Max. I'd, 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 I'd invited Max, who was working as an associate producer there at the time, you know, as you do. Hi, Max, I've got this show that's touring. I've got your name through so-and-so. It's about this, that. I'd love you to come and see it. And now you know it is, Sean. 50% of the time, you just don't get an email back. So <laughs> so, so when, when I actually got a response, I was like, wow, a response from the Royal Exchange. Good Lord, what have I done to deserve this? Um, and, and Max was really positive. Oh, I'd love to come and see it, this, that, the other. Um, so I arranged Max a couple of tickets for when the show was touring uh, nearby. And on the day of that show, I get an email. I'm really, really sorry, Rob. We're just snowed under. We've got this here. Um, I can't get away. And I said, okay, not to worry, but I'm going to, you know, I said to him, we've got another show coming, another venue not so far from Manchester in a couple of weeks. Can I put you down for that? He says to me, yes, absolutely. Get me down for that. Great. I've got him here, I think. Two weeks later, the day of the show, Hi, Rob. I'm really sorry, but we've got a we've got a show opening tonight with Maxine Peake. This and uh, Maxine Peake is 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 a big star in, in Northwest Theatre. You know, oh oh Maxine Peake. Well, who am I to get in the way of Maxine Peake? I thought, and I thought, like, do you know what? I'm going to get him on this. I says, I tell you what, Max. Seeing as though you're you're really busy, how about I come to you rather than you come to me? Expecting that to be the end of the email chain, as you do. Uh, but he got back to me and he says, yeah, let, let's go for a coffee. And, um, and I guess that's where it, it started, Max, wasn't it, really? I think so, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I do have to say, like, I, I'd known of Rob's work, I'd, I'd known of the show, so it wasn't that I didn't know of the work or the 
quality you know it'd been touring for some time um and i'd heard really great things it, there were just you know there's things that get in the way of you know unfortunately going to see new work um which is often the problem with programmers and producers and busy venues and he, he knows i'm season. yeah of course <laughs> um but so you know however so we we did we met up and we we met for coffee and we just had a really great positive chat and I really loved Rob's vibe. Um, I just thought, you know, here's a writer that's a doer. You know, he wants to, he really wants to progress with these shows. He knows what he's doing. He knows that he has been producing this off his own back and acting. I, you know, I'm writing in them, but he maybe needs a bit more of the producing support. So I think we went away. We maybe exchanged a couple of other emails and before we knew it, we basically just said, why don't, you know, I think you were at that point, you were looking at expanding the Gypsy Queen team a bit more for, for a bigger tour. You were looking for Arts Council England support to, 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 um, to support financially the show for the spring tour of 2019. And, um, and I just said, yeah, okay, I think, I think we'll do it. And it coincided with, with me leaving my job at the exchange at the time and, and me going into being a freelancer. Um, and it, and that's sort of how how it all started, mm. wasn't it? And very quickly, you know, sort of snowballed. So all of a sudden, you know, we, we applied for Arts Council funding. We got the Arts Council funding. We had a really great first-rate tour booked, um, in, you know, in, in a spring tour in 2019. And, you know, we just, we just really gelled. So, you know, we start, started with the one show with Gypsy Queen and quite quickly realised, actually, we've, you know, we've got interest in other shows. We've got interest in international touring here. Let's form a company yeah. let's do it let's go all in and, and see what we can make of it and you know here we are you know just shy of two years later and I, you know we're in a very great position we've you know produced several new plays now when i've toured internationally and um, we get regular arts council england funding and yeah it's sort of just this is just yeah. the start it seems so it's very exciting and it was for me it was, you know it was, it was incredibly lucky to have met so I've come up from mine and Max's paths to have crossed at that time because Max is very modest, but I'll, I'll big him up because he, I think for, for where Max was at, you know, um, and he won't mind me saying this, he's, he's, he's a few years younger than me, Max. And, uh, <laughs> when, when, when we first met, I, I was kind of amazed at this. Were you 25? I was 25. And, and where he was at, you know, as I say, within the institution of the Royal Exchange, it, it takes someone with pretty special talent to get to that that position where he was at, and and again, he just had that sense of ambition. You know, you get one shot at this. Let's let's give it a go, and um, and and I think we both have that about us, and that's just kind of gelled quite quite nicely, really. And, and hence, we have Emerson and World Productions. Wow, cool! I always tell people who are new to to the industry to the business that. The number one quality that you have to have to make it is drive. You just have to keep trying. And that is coupled usually with risk, which is essentially what you were talking about by putting out all of those emails and um, uh, just hoping, hoping that somebody will write you back. You just have to put it all out there. Uh, so I... I think that's that's great that you just kept trying and trying and 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 here it is because you never know you never know and you really need you know you might put out a hundred requests but you sometimes only need one person to answer um, and I just I just think that that's incredible. By the way, I want you to say bits and bobs as much as you possibly can in this interview. I love that phrase. Okay, well, I, I, I'll get that into every answer, Sean. I've got to see you. <laughs> well, I personally, I mean, David and I love love London. We we go there uh, quite a bit, and um, well, we did, and, yes. and and I just I have we have like Brit TV, uh, Acorn. We watch the um, ITV. I don't know what the what the reputation of it is back there, but the ITV. The one that, that Pierce Morgan used to be part of until he was <laughs> Good Morning Britain. Yeah, yeah Good Morning Britain. That's, and we watch it every day. Yeah. Really, <laughs> really, so much more. Well, we have like a we have like a, a like a twenty to thirty minute recap that goes on the yeah. um, on on the platform. But um, I just think it's it's a wonderful uh, city. 
so is Manchester as well. I've only, I think I've been to Manchester a couple of times, but most of us are most of our trips are London. Um, and we actually the last time we went to London was in February, I think, of last year, and it wow. was just before the pandemic hit. Wow! And and you guys knew you had you had more of a sense of foreboding than we did. Uh, David and I went to. Um, uh, your the, the area where the universities are. I want to say Cambridge. Yeah, okay. one, yeah. the one that has like the big lake on the side of it. And we took that boat tour, and uh, the uh, gentleman who was um, sailing the boat, if you will, uh, said, "How how are you guys coping with the pandemic?" And I was like, "We're, we're fine. We're we're great." And then a month later, boom! It was just. Yeah. It was crazy. Um, so, but we'll get more into that in just a second. Um, uh, what is Emerson and Ward's production's mission statement? Talk about your production record, which you've already given us a little bit of it. But if you can go into a little more detail, maybe some future projects that you're working on, if if you'd like. I know a lot of people are um, <laughs> are touchy about that. Um, so we'll start with that. Yeah, I think I think first and foremost, we we wanted to create high quality LGBTQ plus art because I think um, I think it's important that we 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 tell as many different stories within that world as as is possible because I think the thing that's always struck me is the diversity within the community. People have all different stories, all different backgrounds, and, and, and there are issues that affect our community um, that, that, that need talking about. But I think there's been a, maybe a slight assumption um, in, in, you know, historically that, oh, oh that, that play has a gay character. That's a gay play, and that's that box ticked. And, that's, now we, and I think for us, we wanted to just explore the richness of, of the community a little bit more put on stage, you know, voices that, that maybe you don't hear a lot of within our community. You know, we particularly interested in, in, in certainly in the first couple of plays I wrote, you know, um, gay sportsmen and, and people from um, uh, sort of Irish traveller, gypsy communities, you know, devout religious backgrounds. I think these are really important conversations that, 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 that we still need to be having, you know, uh, within our community. And I guess, I guess from that just came this desire for us to, to represent the voices of, of the underdog, of, of the outsider, of, of the, the, you know, those who might not get often to have their stories heard on stage. In, 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 in the UK, we are very, there's a real class consciousness in the UK. And I, I, Correct me if I'm wrong, I don't, my understanding is that it's not maybe the same with you guys in the States as, as it is over here, this sense of born into a certain class and no matter how, no matter, you know, there's a sort of almost a lack of mobility with, within within those class brackets and and quite often the stories that we, 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 we tell in, in British theatre are the stories of the upper middle class, mm-hmm. you know, because... You know, unfortunately, we, we've developed this kind of illusion that that's who theatre is for. And we've always tried to make it out that, no, no, theatre, it's just storytelling. That's what it is. It's storytelling. Stories are for everyone. No matter what your class background, your religious background, wherever you grew up, stories are for everyone. And I think we've really tried to make our stories, you know, as accessible as possible and as representative as, as possible we, we we like telling political stories but you know we we, we don't do it without without some humor you know we do, we don't want to grab a script and bang you over the head you know all stories are bastards you know we, that's it's that's not really our our style and um, we like to make political points but we always feel that you've got to grab your audience with 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 relatable characters who are who are who you can picture yourselves in, you know, in, in some way, get, make them laugh, make them cry, you know, the old fashioned kind of mantra of, of storytelling. And I think when we talk about productions, we always think, don't we, Max? Well, 
what's our audience? Who, who is it we want to be able to see this? And, and how, hopefully, can we make it as widely available as, as possible? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, there might be a, a good time to talk about some of the the history of, of the place that we've been working on and, and give you a bit of a sneak peek of what we've been developing over the past year or so. Um, so as, as Rob says, you know, a lot of it has undertones of, you know, could be politically conscious or, or you know, to tell a, a story of activism or heroism of, you know, how, just how can we champion these, you know, um, less uh, talked about stories. Um, so as we say, you know, started with Gypsy Queen, that was the, the show that sort of brought us together. Mm-hmm. Um, had great success with that already. We know we knew that that was a solid piece of theatre. We we knew that people, audiences loved it wherever they were. And, you know, it was a challenging piece of theatre for a lot of people. Um, mm-hmm. But actually, the fact that we had very, um, you know, quite a few straight audience members come see it, all the audience members come see it, sports fans come to see it. And the feedback was the same. They all loved it. So it suddenly we, you know, we realised, actually, we don't have to ha- be this really mainstream idea or themes for someone else to enjoy it. So that sort of then opened our eyes to think, okay, what are the other sorts of work that we can that we can put out there and be passionate about? Um, and a couple of other uh, pieces that we've been working on sort of since we've got together is um, there's a piece called Riot Act, uh, which is written and performed by Alexis Gregory. That's done the rounds on several UK tours now and and, and several Pride tours and will be performed at a couple of Pride festivals this year um, in and around the UK. Um, and it's had a couple of London runs as well. We've uh, co-produced Sex Crime, also by Alexis Gregory, which was at the Soho Theatre in London uh, for a three-week run in January of last year. And then a bit more recently, um, our last sort of in-person live show we, we, we made was uh, the MP, Auntie Mandy and Me, which was written and performed by Rob um, and was commissioned by the Curve Theatre in Leicester as part of the Montford Pride in 2020. Um since then, we've been developing a little bit more. Uh, we've been uh, had two projects in R&D, and um, they'll be continue to be developed over the course of this year, hopefully for a spring 2022 tour. Um, you know, so we've sort of gone back to the drawing board this year to think, okay, what can we do whilst whilst theatres aren't open, sort of thing. And then even more recently, the, you know, the thing we'd sort of seen over the past year was digital theatre and the digital offer. And actually, you know, we'd... We had one thing recorded, and we had Gypsy Queen, which was recorded and, and recently was on as part of the uh, London Vaults Festival sort of video club, they called it. So the show was streamed for a week. That was great. Uh, but in addition to that, we were able to write, make a whole new piece called Conversations, which we uh, was commissioned by Leicester Curve and the Montford University again, but for their Pride Festival this year. So that just happened in, in February and March of this year, and the whole programme, you know, understandably, had to be digitally focused. So that was our first time, Rob, writing something for actors and, and a director to be performed and you know directed and rehearsed over Zoom, and then edited together and put into a into a piece. And it's effectively, you know, it's a film, um, and that's sort of our first walk into that into that world. And you know, what we found with that is that it was so accessible because obviously people can watch it from home, they can watch it wherever they want. All the tickets were free. So it really, for us, that was a really quite a pinnacle moment, I think, actually, of thinking this is, you know, part of what we can do forever. And it's such an exciting thing to be able to offer out to audiences. So, yeah. Because I think there's something about the the being able to enjoy theatre from the comfort of your own home as a a good starting point for for theatres finding a new audience you know, you can watch, you're watching something on your laptop. It, it removes maybe, um, the, the sort of, maybe the slight, the slight intimidation factor. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. That goes along with walking into a theatre building. You know that certainly in the UK, there's there's a real there's a real stigma, I think, around theatre as being this kind of um, 
escapism for the aristocracy, you know, and, and we, we, all, we all dress up in, in cravats and suits and we, we all go to the theatre. And, and I think that that can be quite intimidating if you're not perceived to be that. And again, it, you know, it really shouldn't be that way. And, and at its heart, theatre is just raw storytelling. And we were hoping that the, what this will do is if people can engage with theatre first and foremost at home, they then are more encouraged to go, well, do you know what? Why can't I go to the building itself and go and engage in a piece of live performance? Um, because we, you know, we, we love live performance. We have music festivals. We can't wait to get back to the And I think it's maybe just trying to make that connection with people who, who might not think theatre is for them. Absolutely it, it is for you because it's just the joy of, of live performance and, and hopefully that's something that this last 12 months you know will 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 make people really they've missed out on on that and, and how can we get them back into the theatres when this is when all this lockdown is eventually lifted yeah i think it's providing uh, as you said people who don't normally go to the theater some for lack of a better term like like training wheels on a bicycle yeah. because yeah i mean I, I i know that there is a bit of a stigma about theater because the very, very teeny tiny part of it um, is uh, like Broadway or the big theaters that you might have, which usually just do touring productions in the various cities. And um, along with that, there comes, it's, Oh, it's going to be too expensive. I don't know if I'm going to like it, you know? And, and so this is giving them an opportunity to get their feet wet a little bit with it. And also realize, like you said, that, that, um, you know, let me just sort of rewind it, that that other 99% of theater is what makes up the majority of theater. And that's, you know, uh, local theater, community theater. Um, so, and uh, it's, I really want to emphasize to people who are listening that, that that's all out there as well. And um, that's sort of the focus of, of this show is to be able to highlight that. Um, right. For, and so, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I have another question, but my, first I have kind of a, a London question. Can I, can I ask you something? About, I mean, it's, it's, I hate to say this, but it's nothing to do with our conversation. I just, I just get so confused. Is it, is it pronounced Leicester? Leicester. 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 No, it's one of our stupid English spellings. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. very confusing. I will it, say, it's, yeah. it's spelled Leicester, but it's pronounced Leicester. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't even try anymore. I just uh, where are we? I recognize that word. Um, David, David, my husband David, who is an actor, is very good with it. But he'll say Leicester. Yeah. Okay, my <laughs> one more, one more question. Okay. Is Joanna Lumley the voice on the tube telling us everything? <laughs> I think she was for a while, but no. I think it's it's very much a, yes. a, a, a London actor, voiceover artist. But yeah. G- generic, posh English lady. Generic it's, RP. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> they're, they're not hard to find, sure. No, no. <laughs> but ten a penny. Yeah. <laughs> There's probably a lot of... Um, uh, women and probably a lot of men who can do that voice. But, oh, yeah. yeah. I think you're right. They, they didn't ask me for Leonel. I let them off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're always just like, is that her? Uh, yeah. we're, we're, we're baffled. <laughs> it was a tough year for her. She had to take what she could get. I know, you know? <laughs> I know. It's so hard to be her. She's just had such a struggle of a career. Oh, right. <laughs> I feel for her. Um, talk about Alexis Gregory. Alexis is um, a wonderful guy. He, um, we, we, Again, he, he, similar to, I guess, what, what we've done with Alexis, he's a, a performer, a writer, a kind of a one-man band, you know. He, he, he's been putting himself out there uh, for, for years now with, with, with his shows. Um, and I think we just found a bit of a kindred spirit there, you know. We, we, we recognised in him someone um, that had our kind of ethos about the industry, you know, uh, Lex has a great saying for me. When, when we're looking at potential touring venues, you know, and he'll always say, I'm, I'm just as happy with the sort of spit and sawdust 
sort of uh, venues, you know, the, the, those smaller fringe venues where, again, you know, talking about finding new audiences that, that, that again, are, are, are another way into experiencing live theatre, mm. those, those smaller fringe uh, community-led, community-led yeah. independent yeah. Heart of venues. Absolutely. Um, you know, we, we, we took Lex's show, Riot Act, which is, um, is, is of a basin piece um, that is taken from three interviews Lex did. Uh, the first one was um, with uh, a guy who was, was at Stonewall, was actually at the Stonewall riots. Um, the second, inter- uh, the second um, interview he did with a, uh, a radical drag queen from the sort of 70s and 80s. And then the final monologue he performs is from an interview uh, with a guy called Paul Burston, who was in the um, the UK um, wing of, of ACT UP. So he was out on the streets performing sort of political protests, raising awareness about the AIDS, HIV crisis in the 80s and early 90s. And, and, and Lex essentially channels these three different historical figures within our community and performs three separate monologues. Um, it's a wonderful piece of theatre, mm. you know, one hour, Lex on stage, and it, it, it and it, it's great as well because it's a historical piece, and, you know, it, it's... It, I suppose it's important, as, as, as wonderful as the advancements in our LGBTQ rights have been, it's important that we never forget where we've come from. You know, you can never lose sight of that history, otherwise it's... As someone once says, you, you, you're doomed to repeat it. And, and I think for us, it's, it's a really important piece to, to tour around. And especially maybe parts of the UK that are not the, let's say, the cosmopolitan liberal centres, you know, the, the city, the big cities. Some of those smaller semi-rural towns, you know, and, and um, you, you're hopefully introducing new audiences there to, to, to these, to these new stories. And also we, we love it when we get, you know, it's sort of, we, we, we take a show out into a more rural community and, um, you know, the sort of local gay community, the local gay pride have made a, an event of it and they, 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 they want to come along and experience the show. And it, I think it, you know, we can at times be a disparate, community the lgbtq community but i think what's what's great for us is when you see those people coming along and being a part of your audience yeah, yeah and, it really and is we're very lucky to experience that i suppose yeah um max you you used a phrase earlier it's actually two initials um r and d is that Research and development is that that's, that's right. Yeah, sorry, sorry, listeners. No, no, that's, yeah. that's okay. <laughs> development, yeah. So that, that's um, you know, it, it's something that we've been really only focusing on over the past year. Most of the shows, you know, like with Gypsy Queen, Robert written it already, and he was sort of ready to go with the MP Auntie Mandy and me. Rob wrote it. We had a little bit of development time on the script and, and dramaturgically, and then again, it was just straight into rehearsals. But because of the last year and what's happened and us not touring for once and not being busy with touring, actually it's given us the time to really take our time with the development of the pieces that we're doing. So again, you know, increase the quality of the work, really embed what we're trying to do in our mission statement within the pieces themselves, making sure it can be as accessible as possible. Um, it's actually been a really eye-opening experience for us to, to sort of take a step back and think, okay, what is our creative process what is our practice how do we put together a piece you know you can't just write the thing and then put it up the next day you know taking our time with it getting in experts in those fields you know to really come and lend their support and their advice on it um and and like i say it wouldn't have been able to happen if this past year hadn't happened how it did because Mm. it's just made us take a step back and think okay what can we do in this time you know if we're not touring live so yeah right um let's Let's go ahead and have you both take yourselves back to that first day. You know what I'm talking about. And I ask, I ask everybody this question on this series. It was that first day of the early stages of COVID when theater started shutting down. Um, what was that day like for each of you personally? How did you, what were your, the feelings you were have, having? I think 
a mixture at first of, of disbelief, um, sort of anxiety, but also certainly in the UK, quite a bit of anger directed towards our governments at first because the one of the first announcements that we had was um, from our, our Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, telling people, encouraging people to avoid going to the theatres and spaces where lots of people get together. And the reason, not so much because of the advice, the advice was right, you know, as we've since learned, it was the fact that what that did was is it voided a lot of theatres insurances because the insurance policy in the event of closures from the government, they can, you know, they're financially supported. But because he was encouraging audiences to not go to the theatre, theatres had to then make the decision off their own backs to close, costing them a lot, a lot of money. Um, it was a scary time, wasn't it? We, we weren't sure what the future of the industry was. We weren't sure what the future of ourselves as, as self-employed freelance, you know, um, artists. Uh, we weren't sure what was coming next. There was about a, was it a sort of two-month period until we got any sort of announcement from our Chancellor, yeah. uh, who, who um, for those who might not be aware, is, is sort of the figure within our government in charge of the budget for the country, essentially, Um where that was going. We, we had no clue. It started off, well, all we really knew was straight away, venues were shutting left, right and centre. You know, summer festivals were starting to fall apart. We we were planning to take a show to Edinburgh last year and we were sort of in the final stages of, of the deal mm-hmm. and brokering the deal. And then all of a sudden they said, we don't know what's going to happen. And it took some time for an official cancellation, but they basically said, we we're going to have to pause negotiations then as Rob said it wasn't until about two and a half months later so you know two and a half months probably after mid-March time that we actually got you know some news that yes freelance self-employed artists such as ourselves would be supported financially during this time in case of loss of work and so on and you know but it was a scary time because before that we were thinking what well what do we do you know we had all these grand plans for you know taking the show that we'd just done the show in early March and then two weeks later we're told you can't do anything now this year so it really made us think and I had aside from my Emerson Ward um, projects I was working for another company at the time we were midway through a tour and it was about four weeks into an eight-week tour and and the venue that we were performing at on the night I think it was Monday the 16th of March you know they said right there's going to be an announcement from the government they're going to say to avoid venues we're going to suggest that we cancel and I was like and I knew that it wasn't just that venue cancelling that was the rest of the tour yeah. all that hard work you know weeks and weeks of rehearsal and it's, it was hard. It was really bittersweet. Um, I think we really just thought, I just couldn't, didn't know when the end was going to be in sight. Um, I think a lot of us were very optimistic. I thought, be a couple of months, they'll be open by August or by the autumn, everything will be fine. You know, and then we were in the initial lockdown and then it got extended and extended again and the numbers were bad and it was really quite a scary place to be in. So it really made us think about, like, what is our role here? You know, what, what what can we do now during this time? If we can't have live shows on, what can we do for our organisational development yeah. to ensure that we keep working, to ensure that we, you know, just keep going with it? Because, understandably, people were sort of giving up. Yeah. Really yeah. understandably, yeah. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. And I think that's as well as important to stress that we were the we were the lucky ones who fell into a certain category where we could be supported financially through government schemes there are a lot of people who, who slipped through the net i know both in the uk and, and in the us who their lives have just been devastated by it you know yeah and it's uh, a lot of the uh, legislation had to take months to grind through government yeah. and so i'm just seeing I'm, I'm just seeing within the last few months programs that are coming out to support Broadway um, and probably the off-Broadway community as well. Okay, so let me get this straight. Boris Johnson, he of the crazy hair. Yes. His hair drives David insane. It's funny. It drives everyone insane. It's like, comb your hair, dude. You're the prime (laughs) minister. Come on. Um, he, He gave soft closing advice, if you will, so that people would have to make the decision to close themselves 
thereby not being able to be insured by what had occurred. So basically, you know, he, he didn't call it, um, you know, a, a national emergency or give it some sort of a, so that everybody else, everybody had to suffer. And I'm glad you guys got, uh, um, uh, subsidized. I really am. I think that's great. And, but I'm, I, I do want to emphasize what you had said after that, which is there's a lot of people out there who didn't, who are suffering, I'm sure. Yeah, it was, without getting too political, it, it was unbelievably shoddy, the the, the the management of it, I think, in, yeah. in, in, in this country in those early in those early days, you know. And yeah. it's probably, to me, it's no surprise that when you look at the countries in the world that had the, the highest death rates per capita, it was the ones that had, you know, some of the, <laughs> let's just say, Let's just say leaders who were who were absolutely not qualified to be in those positions, you know. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. We trust me. We felt it with. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. With Dum Dum that we had for so long here is yeah. that, that's a whole other episode of. Oh that. yeah, we could spend yeah. an entire of the podcast on that. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, personally, like deep down inside, I kind of one of. What, what were you feeling emotionally? Did, was it sad? I mean, I know you had sadness and anger and, and all of that as far as your production company and trying to figure out what you're going to do and how you're going to go forward. But um, there were a lot of people that just shut down. I mean, I've asked people to, to be on this show and they're like, I'm just, I'm getting through opening my eyes in the morning and closing them at night. What was it like for you internally? I, I think that's probably about right. I, th- I think it's, um, you know, because I'm, I'm someone, I'm, I'm never in my house for long. You know, I'm, I, I do, you know, I'm going I'm to use your phrase, Sean, various bits and bobs uh, <laughs> I've got going on in, in, in my life, little jobs here, there, you know, how it is in this industry. And, and, um, and I like being out and about and to just suddenly almost like a sort of caged animal, you know, you, you can only stay in this, in this sort of space. Um, and I had no energy to do anything. Now, I think within about about a month in, maybe a few weeks in, I, I saw people sharing, you know, some monologues they'd been performing to camera. People just desperately trying to to kind of keep art out there. And I remember just thinking, I have absolutely no no des- desire motivation i mean i fair play to you for, for being able to do that but i remember th- seeing this this moment thinking how did you do physically how did you do that i i, I applaud you but yeah it was just a lot of sofa and netflix and just kind of going what's happening here yeah it was yeah similarly for me it was, it was grim, you know, it was, it was like overnight, especially because I'd had this other show on and all these great grand plans. And, you know, this is where, you know, quite, although we've run the company together, quite often Rob leads on more the creative and I lead on more the financial producing side of stuff. I was just about to be in my element with getting ready for Edinburgh, <laughs> getting excited. And I was so, Spreadsheets, numbers oh, going on. Yeah. And then time. we're told overnight we're pressing pause and it, it isn't going to happen. Mm. I was just like, what do I do? You know, and, and you do, you know, you, you, you feel bad and you fall into a bit of a pit of despair. But, you know, eventually we, we pulled ourselves out and we just, we our strongest thing was we just kept talking to each other and just being really honest about what could we do, you yeah. know. And, yeah, we're not going to put a pressure on ourselves and say we've got to achieve all this great work. Yeah. But actually, you know, it was just, we it was more than anything, we just had our friendship there you know and we were able to support each other yeah through that so i think you know and, and I think we're both lucky to to have that relationship as well yeah, yeah. And, and i don't know how, how you found it yourself sean actually sometimes i think you know you, you're going through phases of, of it's almost a grief phases isn't it you know and like well what comes next and and then maybe you have that moment where you go do you know what maybe just having a bit of time here Fortunately, I've, 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 we managed to get some financial stability. Maybe actually, as a creative, just having a bit of time to go. What do I want? What 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 do I want to create? What work do we want to be involved in? Um, sometimes, in the rat race of it all, you you you, you don't have that. Um, and I think we both got to that place. Didn't yeah. we? Well, let's have a look at next year. What do we want? What's our 
creative vision, as, as you say, coming out of this whenever we do come out of this. Talk about that very first meeting where you just looked at each other and said, okay, we're, we've got a grip personally or somewhat of a grip. What do we do now? Um, how, do re, how do we reset the direction of Emerson and Ward Productions? Talk about that very first meeting. What was that like? Yeah, I mean, it was, I think, you know, we, as I say, we'd, we both would, you know, sort of chatting constantly and regularly, making sure we were okay on a personal level and with our mental health and stuff. And it was only, it was only after, it must have been a couple of months until we properly sat down and thought, what are we going to do next? And, and as you know, as I say, um, we just sort of talked about, okay, this is a chance we've got. We can just wallow and do nothing or, we can think about the company and we can think about what type of production company do we want to be? Whose stories do we want to tell? Quite soon, obviously, during that first pandemic and lockdown, you know, the, the George Floyd thing happened in America and we were very, you know, we, we talked about it a lot. We talked about the issues in theatre, the repercussions of that and institutional racism within the theatre buildings in the UK mm. and in America came to light. And we were, you know, we were very open and honest about it and we were, you know, talking about the fact that we need to help underrepresented writers, we need to help disabled writers. And very quickly we thought, okay, this is, this needs to now be part of our mission because if we're here, we're only here once and we've got to go for it and we've just got to, yeah. we've got to try and, you know, be the most representative we can be at this time. You know, that feels right. It feels mm. like the right thing to do and what we want to do. And I, and I think... You know, for theatre as well, it, it almost felt like, is this an opportunity now for a redistribution of, of some of that wealth and opportunity in that for so long it has, you know, um, are, I mean, I'll, I mean, I'll be quite honest, my, my experience as, as an actor in, in outside of London, you know, in it, um, has been very often your, your theatres will just go, oh, let's just grab a London actor. Let, let's pay a load of money to get them up to house them. And it, it, in this kind of transitional period, it almost felt like, I don't think that's good enough anymore. I, I think for theatre to come back, we need to see more investment in the local creative ecosystems. We need to start looking at that and supporting our own and, and, and much wider uh, representation of people from different backgrounds and, 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 um, experiences. and experiences. Yeah. And, and it not just be the kind of, theatrical elite in this country yeah. getting all the jobs you know it, it it feels like we need more than that now we need to be better than that yeah. everybody in your crew identifies as either big mac burger mcnuggets or mccrispy sandwich but you're the filet fish sandwich all day that crispy fish that savory tartar sauce that melty cheese that pillowy bun yeah you get it every time and if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just six dollars limited time only price and participation may vary cannot be combined with any other offer single item at regular price Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. yeah um it's it very definitely in my opinion leveled the playing field yeah. in, in a lot of ways um in in um people who had major power here you know, once you take away their full on business there, I mean, it, I, I kind of want to say it's humbling, mm. not in a bad way, but everybody pretty much is on the same level. Now we have computers, we have microphones, we have our talent. Um, and you know, like the Sutton Fosters out here are, are doing these zoom concerts and, yeah. and that just like everyone else. It, it brought, you know, you talked about the, the, the class, classes of society early on in the show. Yeah, uh, yeah. There, there were theater, cl- there are theater classes, which I'm sure you both feel that, um, but they're way more equal now. Mm-hmm. It was an equalizer. Do you, did, is that something that, I mean, am I getting that right as far as what you're experiencing I, over there? I, absolutely. And I think, you know, I don't know of anyone that's complained about it being a bad thing. You know, all, all I've seen is actually this is just it's an opportunity thing. And actually, if we can offer out more equal opportunities and have it so that there isn't 
you know, this just because we've always done it this way means we always have to do it that way. You know, that whole mentality went out the window because suddenly the financial models of these venues and, and the big, you know, production companies, it changed overnight. They yeah. didn't have the, the audience money coming in and, and all of this. Everyone's had to diversify their income streams and think differently and outside the box. And with that, I think has come good and I think is mm. is has come opportunity for a lot more people. Wow. Well, well I'm... I'm glad that you decided to use your time as sort of an incubator for for your new works coming up. I think that that was super smart. Um, there's there are certain things that you can do. I know uh, with writing, I was like, "What am I going to do now?" But I just took some scripts and started entering them into competitions. I, I personally didn't want to see, and there's nothing wrong with not wanting this. I didn't want to see this go by and not have something come out of it. Sure. Um, yeah. But that's, that's, that's just me. And again, no shade to anybody who is just getting through the day. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's, but I, I was like, I, I don't want to do that. And trust me, I can watch TV all day <laughs> in bed and sleep just fine. <laughs> it was like, it was like, get out of bed for what? Jeez. Actually, he just, but, but I can, or he'll say, I can't lay in this bed all day and then fall asleep at night. Yeah. 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 As long as you've got Tiger King, you're good. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, seriously, it's bad. It's, I'm lazy in general, but I'm like the busiest lazy man in the world, but <laughs> But he's, it gets to, it gets on his nerves. So it was kind of fit for me, but even I was like, okay, you know, they need some activity. Um, now let's talk about your peers. How are the Manchester and London theater communities coping and rebounding from COVID-19? Um, what, what are you hearing from other people? Mm. Um, in terms of like, the, the sort of small companies, like it's, it's a bit of a mixed bag right now. I think there's some people who have really had to go back to the drawing board and think, you know, do they even want to do this anymore? Because it was, you know, it was hard enough before and then trying to survive for a year or more before they go back into, into producing models again and, and things like that. There's then, and then at the same time, there's the, the venue side of things, which obviously have been very quiet for a long time. A lot of the staff were on furlough, so just not working and, just not really, not very much output or not much transparency on programming and how's the future of touring going to look. Now, finally, we're getting somewhere and, you know, venues have a date for reopening. So a lot of outdoor, uh, a lot of venues are start, starting to do a bit more outdoor work starting 17th of May this, this month. Um, and they've just, they've just announced actually just today that when, theatres and, and, and indoor entertainment can reopen from the 21st of June. There'll be no social distancing. So that's been confirmed today, that, which is an amazing thing to hear and to sort of work towards it. You know, within six, seven weeks' time, venues can be back to their full capacity again. We'll see, obviously, how the vaccine rollout goes alongside, you know, the data and, and so on and, and make sure that it's safe to do so. But if they pull it off and if that is true, then it's very encouraging for us to think, well, if venues are open now, then they'll be accepting work for touring in the autumn and in spring again. And it, there's just a bit more of a sense of getting back to some sort of normalcy. Like, you know, we'll never go back to it. This is always going to be the new normal now. But, you know, we do need some guidance or some assurance that small shows will tour again. You know, the big the big touring shows, I just keep getting postponed and postponed and postponed. Right. But for, for companies such as ourselves, you know, we can turn around something quite quickly. So, you know, we can we can help say to a venue, we can have something rehearsed and ready to go within three months. So for us, it will be easy to get back on the road, I think. Um, but, yeah, I think it's, um, it, it's a, it is a mixed bag. I think some people are going to take some time to get back to that place. And, and as you say, you know, taking into account, you know, it's just, it's been a year, you know, it's been... A long time. It's been a long, hard graft for people just to get through it anyway. So then to, to add the pressures of, of the touring world and, and, and so on, it's, um, it's quite a lot to, to think about. So, yeah. Um, I've often said that it's going to be the smaller, more intimate theaters and productions and tours and that that are going to lead the way. I think, uh, yeah. Because um, we're having like, okay, you can – 
you can go to an event, outdoor event, uh, 70% capacity, wear masks, indoor event, you know, 33% capacity. There is no damn way that a Broadway show and probably a West End show can survive on 30, uh, 30% house. There's just yeah. no way. So, so also, yeah. it's just, you know, we, we did some financial modeling based on that to think, okay, if social distancing still is in existence, when, you know, we've, we've got, there's a potential of a show transferring to London in July, which we won't be able to mention today, but we will tell you about in the future, um, you know, as soon as we sign the contract. But the, the hope is, <laughs> There'll be no social distancing and, and everything will be fine. However, if, you know, given it's quite soon, um, if there is still social distancing, we I just don't think it can work financially. The venues can't support it. Yeah. They still have their costs. Their costs don't just go down, you know, just mm-hmm. because social distancing exists. Right. They still have all their staff. They have their overheads. Likewise, as, as do we. So it's it's a very delicate balance, the finances of it. Mm-hmm. And, and we've got to really support support each other. And that's where we need transparency from venues and producers to talk to each other and say, yeah. what do you need to make this happen? Yeah. Not how do we make money out of this? Because yeah. right now it's a it's a rebuild yeah. phase. It's not a let's grow the empire right now. So, yeah. No, good point. And I think that, that thing we talked about earlier, Sean, the, the old, the emails that go unresponded to, I, I think an, an end to that, please. You know, we, we need that open conversation, that transparency. We need to be here yeah. talking honestly. We want to help you. You want to help us. Let's you know do this for the good of, of, of yeah, theatre. We have a common goal. You know, our common goal is to to show high quality theatre and, and tell stories. So you know, it's we're all trying to do the same thing. And, and obviously, quite often, especially in London, there's far too much work than there is amount of available space. And previously, you know, historically, if you don't negotiate well, then you just will be they'll move on to the next person. You know, whereas actually now, I think it's there's much more of a mentality, and I'd like to see this stick around that you know we're all in this together and actually we've we've got to work together to make this possible wow um i love that you had said that stories are for everyone which really really is i mean that's pretty much my kind of my tagline which is that theater is for everyone and um to to open up lines of communication that didn't exist before is a great thing um because you're giving people great opportunities and hopefully we're getting back to a time in my opinion where it's about the work it's about the level of the script um that that in my opinion is what needs to come first yeah and and don't phase other phase people out just because they're not of uh something that they're not something that you've seen before i I mean i understand it's a financial risk so you gotta you know go with what you think business-wise is going to make sense but um I love that you said that, that, um, that, uh, it's, it's now time to give everybody a chance mm-hmm. and open, yeah. open minds and see other people and watch other people. And, um, that's an, an outstanding, outstanding answer. Um, how have you surprised yourselves within all of this? Do you know, I think, Relating to what, you know, one, one of the themes of, of, of this conversation, I think just slightly more um, bullish attitude of I don't want permission anymore to, to do my job. And I feel in a way um, that this is an industry in which we're always waiting for other people to tell us, now you can do your job, whether it's a, a casting director or a producer or a, a script editor or, or whatever it is, there's a, there's a lot of hierarchy. And, and not to sound like a total revolutionary, but, you know, just just, just that, that sense of actually, you know, we're confident in what we can do. And that has taken a long time to get to because you know what this industry is like, Sean. It, it's, it's full of pitfalls for, for your ego <laughs> and your self-esteem. But I think... Just at that point of going, we are living through a, a pandemic and, and it puts a lot of things into perspective and it makes you go, you know, it makes you realise how precious life is and, and actually let's live it. 
if we've got it. And, and, and let's actually not think about, oh, well, I really want to put a play on. I really want to write about this, but I dance approach this person and that building because they are, you know, enough of all that, I think, really. Yeah. Just just a sense of we've got something. We want to be able to share it with you. If you don't want it, okay, fine. Let us know. We'll move on. But but I guess maybe just not waiting to be asked so much anymore. Um, you know, I, th- I, think, I think we were getting there with it, but now I just feel a real a stronger sense of going, no, it's, you know, let, let's put ourselves out there. Let's really go for this. And if we want something, let's try and get it. And okay, if someone says no, let's try again. Let's try somewhere else. Let's not be given permission. Let, let, let's just, let's do stuff, you know, if, if that's possible. Yeah. yeah. Outstanding. Um, okay. I'm going to let you guys go. But before we, before I do that, uh, please give our audience your social media information so they can follow and keep up with Emerson and Ward Productions. If you have one place where they can find it all, that's great. Or you can just give it to us in bits and bobs. <laughs> Let's do bits and bobs then. Okay, well, if I, if I do Twitter, then you can do the... So, twi- so the tw- uh, Twitter is at Emerson Ward, and there's two M's in Emerson. So it's e double M. E-R-S-O-N-W-A-R-D. So double M for Mike, single N for November. There you go. And then uh, we're on Facebook and Instagram, and that's Emerson and the word and Ward. So there you go. And we'll um, we'll be launching our website at the end of May. Uh, There will be some recordings on there, some of our work and a few little surprises that are coming up right at the moment. So um, we'll we'll send that over to you as well once we have it. Fabulous. That's great. You guys are rolling. And I love that. And one of the things that I think is so great about your plans are I can see them very easily transitioning back to there's a road back to inside the theater with the full audience for you. Uh, So I can feel that focus in your mindset while still taking care of things as they are now and staying uh, visible. Mm, Yeah. Which I think is super important. And, and to you as well, Sean, just, you know, con- congratulations. We've been, been following on, on Facebook everything that's been happening to you and, and David. And, and send David my love as well. And hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll be drinking Guinness in a bar in Dublin again soon. <laughs> <laughs> I am so itching to get over there, you guys. I really am. It's just uh, we went to London all the time. And 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 then, of course, I was telling everyone, London is like a great hub if you want to travel to various you know european countries it's so easy to do or european areas or uh, it's it's uh i always encourage people to go there and your theater is just so marvelous and different and um i mean it's kind of the same as here but there's a lot of um uh, there's i think a lot more risk um and and it's just i just I, i can't say enough about it it's it's outstanding thank you well, Rob and Max, thank you so much for being on the show. You've both been just great and so informative about what's happening um, in the London, Manchester theater world, as, as well as other theater worlds. And I'm so glad that I got to talk to you and you could be part of this series. And uh, you're, you're just Amazing. Your distinct voices as multifaceted artists have like really broadened the scope of the Act Two Places series. And I wish you both many, many broken legs in your careers as we navigate our way towards the best future for theater. Thank you so much. I I just totally appreciate it. And um, and uh, you are a huge asset to your program as you take it. Bless you. you. I appreciate that, Sean. Thanks for having a great time. Real pleasure. Thank you. The pleasure is mine. Thank you very much. Well, folks, the 11 o'clock number has been sung and the bows have been taken, so it's time to lower the curtain. Once again, a big thanks to Rob Ward and Max Emerson of Emerson and Ward Productions. They're so awesome. You can find more episodes of Your Program is Your Ticket on the Broadway Podcast Network, who has honored me with a place on their incredible theater podcast platform. Broadway Podcast Network is all about creating an engaging, immersive, user-friendly experience where theater stories of all kinds can be easily found, shared, and enjoyed. Please visit them on my landing page at bpn.fm slash ypiyt. That's bpn.fm slash ypiyt. 
Broadway Podcast Network also has an app, which you can and should download. Go do it. What are you waiting for? Your program is your ticket. It's also on Facebook at Facebook.com. Your program is your ticket. I'm on Twitter at at Program Ticket. Instagram at Your Program Is Your Ticket. YouTube at Your Program Is Your Ticket. I'm also on iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM, Podcast Addict, Podbean, Pocket Casts, Deezer, TuneIn, Listen Notes, and the UK-based theater platform, Thespi. FYI, I appreciate all good ratings, reviews, and subscriptions. Folks, take a little time to visit theater websites and see what they have to offer as we transition through and out of this pandemic. Watch their content, give them all great ratings and reviews, and most importantly, donate, donate, donate. It's the fastest way you can help them. As always, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. And remember, theater is for everyone. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network.